0: Uh, my name is Joshua Olson. I'm one of the ruling elders here, and it is um, my extreme privilege to be able to share with you um, from God's word this morning. Let's pray. Gracious God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would come and he would speak to us, that he would meet our hearts wherever they are and bring the good news of Jesus Christ, to meet our hearts, to change them, to heal them, to enliven them. Lord, please speak to us and help us to see Christ this morning exalted and lifted up. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So what is the good life Um, Is it the fulfillment of the typical American dream, you know, a nice house with the picket fence, a yard that's not too big because then you got to mow it, but it's just big enough for your kids to play, Um, a beautiful or handsome spouse, uh, two Point five kids, because three is just too much, but two's not quite enough. A dog, and uh, you know, if you're into that, a cat. Um, is that what the good life is? You know, and then, and of course, we live happily ever after. No problems, no issues. But, but friends, that's not our experience, right? Life sometimes stinks. We hurt others, and we get hurt by them. We feel the pain of betrayal, of sickness, weakness, infirmities. And we feel the the pain and the sting of death. We work hard, we struggle to provide for our families, and perhaps we work at jobs that aren't fulfilling. And they steal away the little strength that we have from the pursuits that we would rather love, like our families, and the things and hobbies that give us life. So what is the good life? And is it something that we can actually experience? Well, philosophers have kind of contemplated this question. For instance, uh, the, uh, the famous Frederick Nietzsche says the good life is one lived without fear, without fear of gods or a higher power, without fear of of the crowd and its constant push to make you conform or even fear of your own fate. Um, Or Aristotle says the good life consists of virtues, virtues of character, virtues of intellect, And then if you practice those virtues and they become habits, they create a virtuous person who is therefore happy and lives the good life. But what about you? What's your definition of the good life? What would be a good life for you? Well, Jesus purpose in the beginning of this famous sermon on the mount is to tell us what the true meaning of the good life is so if you would please stand in honor of reading of sacred scripture you can turn to Matthew chapter 5 in your own bibles or you can look up at the text on the screen Matthew Chapter 5, when he saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now as we move through these Beatitudes, we'll break them down into two categories, both of which describe the good life from different perspectives. First, we'll kind of look at how we experience the good life as one who comes empty, depleted, just weary, so that we can be filled by the abundance of Christ And then secondly, we will look at how we can experience the good life as ones who are overflowing with the fullness of Christ so that we can then pour ourselves out for the sake of Christ and his church. But before we do that, uh, let's take a look at the context of this passage. Uh, If you remember in Matthew chapter 3, the end of Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized and at that baptism, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and anoints him for ministry. And it's immediately after Jesus' baptism that the Holy Spirit pushes him out into the wilderness for 40 days where he's tempted by Satan. And then in Matthew 4:17, it says this, From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Then Jesus gathers some of his disciples and then in, a little bit further on in 4:23 he says it says now Jesus began to go all over Galilee teaching in their synagogues preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And it's only after that that Matthew comes to this place in chapter 5 when he says And he sat down, or when he saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So why is this so important? Matthew is setting the stage for Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as an explanation of what life in the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And so how does Jesus begin his explanation of life in the kingdom? He tells us that the kingdom life is the good life. It is the good life. The word that you see over and over throughout this passage, blessed, it's a tricky word. Um, It does carry the connotation of blessing. Um, It also can be translated... Happy, in fact, some translations do that. But it but it also carries the meaning of, of commendation, something that you would want to emulate, or if you were to have it, someone might envy you. It would want to be in your situation. It's not necessarily feeling happy, but being in a happy situation. So if I can, if I can sum it up, basically the good life would be if Darren Pesnell were to get the Cybertruck. He would be envied, everyone would want to be like him, Um, he would be living the good life as he drives the Cybertruck around, Um, (laughs) obviously I'm I'm joking. Jesus is telling us what the good life in the kingdom is like. Um, And if you look at it, there's eight different Beatitudes. Um, And like I said, we're going to break them down into two sections of four. Um, We'll look at the first four as from the perspective of coming to Christ, feeling depleted and empty. And then the last four, we'll look at them as coming to Christ, um, coming into the kingdom with the fullness of of Christ. And I I pray that, that this, no matter where you find yourself, if you are full of joy and you just are experiencing the power of Christ in your life, that this would encourage you to pour yourself out for others. Or if you've come and you just are weary, you feel depleted, you are empty, your tank is empty, that you would be filled up with Christ. So first, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Or, as we're going to translate it, the good life is for the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, the poor in spirit can be taken in two different ways, and different commentators uh, debate about whether you should uh, consider this someone who's piously poor, like someone who who loves God, is clinging to God as their hope, but they don't have any kind of material wealth. Or some commentators say it's this person who comes and they just recognize their spiritual poverty. They don't have anything to offer to God spiritually. And I would say both could be appropriate. Both of them show that in some way, the person is empty and they need and they depend on Christ. So you can be blessed if you're poor in material wealth when you consider it next to the immense riches of the kingdom of Christ. Or you can recognize your spiritual poverty that can be met with renewal by Christ and his spirit. So one would say, I have nothing in this world, but I have Jesus, and he is enough. And the other would say, I'm a sinner. I have no hope except Jesus. And his righteousness. So if you are here and you find yourself in that situation. You don't know how you're going to put food on the table. You don't know how you're going to pay your next bill. Or you just feel your spiritual poverty like. I just keep failing. All the time. Then come. Come to Jesus. He will provide for you everything that you need out of his riches. Friends, this is the good life, to find everything you need in Christ. Next, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so... If you come and you're full of sorrow, full of grief, whether it's because of sin in your heart, and you've hurt someone you love, you've offended God, or you come because of the effects of sin in this world, perhaps sickness, weakness, or the experience of death, Come, Jesus says, come, and I will comfort you. I will embrace you. I will wipe away every one of your tears. The good life is the one who runs to Jesus and finds comfort. Jesus then says in verse 5, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Um, Understanding this one, it's best to look at the psalm that Jesus is is alluding to here, um, almost quoting it verbatim. It's Psalm 37, which says this, be still before the Lord Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger. Forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land." In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek, the humble, shall inherit the land. And so what Jesus is saying is, if you have experienced oppression, if someone has come against you, or you see the wicked Prospering, and those who want to live for Christ suffering. Set, Set aside your strength, bridle your aggression, clothe yourself with gentleness, because you will reign with Christ in his kingdom when it comes in fullness on earth. You will inherit the entire earth. He will rule and reign one day and you with him. Just be patient. Just be patient. Wait on the Lord. In verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So if you come and you want justice like you see injustice everywhere you look you look at ukraine and you see such horrible injustice and you long for justice or you long for yourself because you see injustice even in your own heart and you long to live like Christ would have you, but you find yourself like Paul saying this, I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Then, friends, you are living the good life. Because Christ comes with his righteousness. He comes with his spirit. So that you can also, like Paul, say this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has set me free from the law of sin and death. The good life is longing for righteousness wanting to be changed, and running to Christ, who is ready to receive you, clothe you with righteousness, and give you his powerful spirit. This is the good life for those who come empty, depleted, worn out, weary, oppressed. You can run to Jesus, and he will fill you up. So now let's look at the second section from a different perspective. We're gonna look at it from the experience of one who has been filled, and they're experiencing the joy of Christ in their life. And they're experiencing the power of his spirit working in and through them. And it's from the overflow that they have received that then they pour out to others. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they, will, for they will be shown mercy. You remember the parable of the, of the king and the servant that Jesus um, shared with his disciples? The, the king had this servant who had an incredible debt that he could never repay in a million years. And the king was going to throw him in jail. And the servant's like, please, please. Please have mercy on me. I will repay you to the last penny. Just wait. And the king is gracious. He's merciful and says, I forgive your debt. And it's just a little bit later that that same servant finds one of his fellow servants and says, Hey, man, you owe me some, you owe me like a hundred bucks, dude. Give it to me now. And the guy's like, Whoa, whoa, just wait, man. I'll give it to you. Just give me some time. He's like, Nope, you're going to jail and you're gonna work off your debt. And the king is so upset that he throws that servant in jail and say, listen, you received much. You should have given much. And so if you are here and you have experienced the abundance of mercy that Christ has shown you, then you should be quick to show mercy. The overflow of that mercy should lead you in self-giving, in humility, and in forgiving others. Should be showing mercy tangibly. Like, for instance, getting involved in the Phoenixville Refuge. Showing tangible mercy to these folks who don't have as much as you do. And then also being able to share the mercy of Christ. This is the good life when we, from the abundance of the mercy we've been shown, show it to others. Jesus then says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Ironworks Church, do you commune with God and look upon his beauty, you see Christ in his majesty and help other people see him through your eyes. See, there's a a cycle of spiritual blindness. And it can only be changed when a person who has seen Christ then lifts him up before someone else. A pure heart is one that sees God, and one who sees God becomes pure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil, the blindness is lifted. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. For all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So once you get a glimpse, you become pure. But how do you get there? Only if it's your, the cycle of spiritual blindness is interrupted by someone sharing the beauty of Christ with you. So, Ironworks Church, this is the good life. Sharing the beauty, the glory of Christ and exalting Him before others. So that they can see him and live, just like Patrick um, showed us this morning in our confession. Chapter or verse nine rather says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Ironworks Church, do you experience the comfort, the security? the refuge of knowing God as your father? Does the spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are a son of God? And what Christ is saying, bring peace. Find the the familial tie that binds us together and help build those ties so that they far exceed any differences that we might have within the body of Christ. Help others to see the length that Christ has gone to to bring peace. And the good life is this, when two people who are at enmity towards one another embrace in friendship, and love. This is the good life. Verse 10 says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Friends, are you firmly established in the kingdom of Christ? Do you know that you belong? You know that that is your inheritance. then stand up for righteousness. Stand up for mercy. The good life is found when we love Christ's kingdom and we are willing to stand up for the oppressed, for the weak, for the marginalized, and to stand for Christ and with him. No matter what. Now, friends, if you're like me, you might have come to this point and said, I can't. I I don't know that I can do this. I don't know if I could possibly do this. I doubt. I fail. I stumble. I hurt others instead of bringing peace. I often take revenge when I should be gentle and meek. I cause division instead of peace, and I hide in cowardice instead of standing boldly with Christ. In fact, how can any of us expect that? After all, Jesus in just a little bit will say, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, You'll never see the the kingdom of heaven. You will never get in the kingdom of heaven unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees. How can we have hope? How can we live the good life? It is because Jesus has embodied the good life for us. You see, Jesus was rich, but... For your sake, he became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich, sons of the king in the kingdom. He would mourn and be torn with grief so deep that he would weep tears of blood. He would experience such oppression that he would be crushed underneath it. The Roman and Israel leaders would team up to oppress him, but Jesus would be steadfast, meek, entrusting himself to his Father. Jesus longs for justice and righteousness more than anyone, and epitomizes what righteousness is like. And yet, it says, For our sake, he who knew no sin would become sin so that we can be the righteousness of God in him. Jesus shows mercy to poor, sick, oppressed people, and to sinners of all kind. And Jesus is the only one who could possibly ascend the holy hill and stand in that holy place with pure hands and a pure heart. And he does stand there, friends, before God the Father so that he can intercede for you. He alone, Christ alone, can bring peace between us and God. And Christ courageously stands for justice and righteousness, receiving, just like the prophets before him, persecution from his oppressors. But But, friends, it is through his death that he makes his oppressors into humble, merciful peacemakers who courageously stand with Christ. You see, in just a few short sentences after the Beatitudes, Jesus will give us hope. Because he says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Friends, Jesus has fulfilled the law for you. He has epitomized the Beatitudes so that you could live the good life in his kingdom. Come, all you who are empty, depleted, weary, without money, without price, drink deeply from the love of Christ. And as we share this meal together, remember this, friends, that life with Jesus, no matter what our circumstances, good or bad, is the very best life that we could hope for. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for showing us what the true good life is like. And I pray that we would come to Christ here at this table. We would eat and drink deeply of his love and his mercy and grace so that we will then overflow with mercy and grace as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.